Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. Before I even get started, I, uh, I just want to tell you, tell you this, that if, if this is your first time being here, uh, I don't normally preach like this. In fact, I said, I want a handheld mic, so I will stay in one spot. And uh, because I realize that this, this may be cross-grained to some people here, and I just want you to know my heart. And also, too, when I have an earpiece, I tend to shout a little bit and get a little excited. Not to saying that I won't today, but uh, I, I'll just tell you this. Number one, the Lord put this on my heart this morning before I even get into my notes. Uh, I want to tell you this, that America is worth fighting for. Amen. You guys know this about me. I'm a big reader, and I'm just reading over some stuff that Lester Summerall said that was a man. He was, he was definitely a foundation in the faith here in this country of America. And he said this, the reason that America has the biggest target on its back is because it's the last domino to fall. It's the last domino that it will take the Antichrist to take over. If you don't know anything about that, y'all come. And uh, I, I'll, I, I, come see me personally, and I can tell you about that, of, of the Antichrist spirit that's on the earth. But he's, uh, just reading through that, he's basically telling us, and what the Lord put on my heart this morning, that America is worth fighting for. I'm so thankful that I live in the United States of America. I'm also thankful that I live in the great state of Texas. Can I get an amen from you guys out there? Amen. Also, too, I want you to know my heart this morning that I never want to be a part of the problem, but I always want to be a part of the solution. And this morning, I want to tell you from my heart, from my heart, that that this comes from my heart, that this message this morning is a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And uh, it's my heart to do that, not to cross grain and not to be a person of hatred or anything like that, but to have the heart of God. Because I know when he's at the center of a nation, it's a blessed nation. The third, or third thing is this, uh, that, that it's just that, that you need to know this in your heart, that there is an antichrist agenda, a universal, everybody get on the same page. How many of y'all know we will never be on the same page as the enemy? Ever, ever. And this might not be a popular message to YouTube, but uh, I believe for Christians it ought to be a popular message. And before I even get started, I want you to know my heart. In fact, as we were singing this morning, the Lord put this on my heart, Ezekiel 33, before I even get into it. It says this in verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying... They don't even have it in the notes back there. Sorry, guys. But it's Ezekiel 33. It says, Speak to the sons... Did you hear that? My mic paused. They're like, you didn't give us the scripture, we're turning your mic off. All right. Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, if I bring a sword on a land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming on the land and he blows the trumpet and warns the people. Then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be on himself. But he had taken warning. He would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees, yes, Lord. But if the watchman, amen. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, He is taken away because of his corruption and sin. But I will require his blood from the watchman's hand. Can I tell you this? I believe God's called me to be a watchman. 
may not be for all those people out there, but as for these people inside of AOL, God's called me to be a watchman. And I'll tell you this, I will, I will never repent, I will never apologize for warning you of the direction that America is going. And I don't care what your sons and daughters, what decisions they're making, we stay true to this baby right here. Are you hearing me? We will never bend to what culture wants us to do. So if you have your Bibles this morning, open it to Psalm 33. I'm going to start with verse 12, and again, I want to give honor where honor is due. First of all, I want to thank, in fact, I have one of my teachers here today. I want to thank my mom and my dad for putting me through Christian education, because in Christian education, I learned the true history of how America was founded. And, uh, and so, I, and, and I'm thankful for all the teachers that taught me the background of biblical values in this nation. So I want to honor Christian education, but I also want to honor, too, there's some great guys out there where you can get a lot of this stuff. A lot of this comes from what I was just raised with, but uh, David Barton, Rick Green, Gary Hamrick, there's some guys out there that are really uh, defenders of the uh, Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. I mean, y'all know the Constitution's pretty good if it's lived up to 247 years. France is on like 17. Argentina's on 20-something but the United States of America has been true because it's, it's founded on the principles and teachings of the Word of God. Psalm 33, verse 12. Y'all come back next week. I'm telling you, this isn't, this isn't normal for me, but those of you that know me, I love history and I love the Word of God. Psalm 33 and verse 12, it says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'm going to say that one more time. France, listen up. Argentina, listen up. Canada, listen up. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. How many all thankful, though, for the army of the United States of America? In fact, let's do that. Those of you that have served the United States Army, I want you to stand to your feet. We want to go ahead and, and, and honor you. Come on, give these guys a hand this morning. We got Braden Montgomery standing in the back, worship leader. How, hey, y'all stay standing. How about United States Air Force? Where are you at? Where's the Air Force at? Right there. All right. Very good. Thank you, Pastor. How about United States Navy? Let's give it up for the Navy. All right. How about the United States Marine Corps? Hoorah. Yeah. Hey, on three, can we tell these guys thank you? One, two, three. Thank you. All right. Yes. I'm y'all thankful for guys that uh, defend us. It says, a mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is, is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him. Let's say that one more time. Thus saith the Lord right now in 2023, like this was wrote Thursday. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. 
Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. The United States of America is a nation that values the freedom of religion. In fact, it's whatever faith, whether it's Buddhist or Hindu or whatever it is, or this Scientology, you can believe in those things or you can believe in no faith at all. But how many of y'all know we have to protect uh, this for each one in order to have freedom for everybody? And that's what America is about. It's about freedom. And when it comes to the founding principles of our nation, Christianity has had the biggest impact. In fact, if you go to Washington, D.C. today, I've been many times before. It's amazing that you walk through there. You don't see any writings of Hindu or Buddhism. You see on all the national monuments as you walk through the mall, you see scripture after scripture from this right here and not from the Book of Mormon. Are you hearing me this morning? And so when it comes to the founding principles of our nation, Christianity has the biggest impact. In fact, our founding fathers, not all of them, but most of them held a strong conviction of the Word of God. Uh, in fact, it was through fasting and prayer and, and psalms that they read in, in, in hours of prayer that they came together before they even wrote the Declaration of Independence. Because they knew this, it was the Word of God that shaped their life, which shaped our nation. Of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, 29 of them had some kind of seminary background or had some kind of degree in Bible. They had a biblical background. In fact, I want to read to you some of these quotes by some of these great men that founded this nation. John Adams, second president of the United States of America. He said, quote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. End quote. Thomas Jefferson, our third president of the United States of America, he said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? And he says, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are of the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice can, can sleep, cannot sleep forever. John Hancock, the first signer of the Declaration of Independence, wrote this, quote, Resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. Continue steadfast and with a proper sense of your dependence on God. Nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man ought to take from us. Benjamin Rush, signer and ratifier of the Constitution. He said, I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of inspiration. But I am as satisfied that it is as much the work of divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament. Fifty-six signers of the Declaration of Independence acknowledged that it was upon God that this nation was founded. In fact, they risked their lives for our independence based on their Christian faith and their values. When they signed their name on that document, under the line of their signature, it had this in quote. With a firm reliance on divine providence, we mutually to pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. 
Can we give it up for all the founding fathers of this great nation? Amen? On April 19, 1775, when the British first approached Lexington, the first battle of the Revolutionary War, war where we all know uh, the saying, where the, the first shot that was heard that were around the world, there was a group of men in Lexington, and I love this part of history. There was a group of men in Lex Lexington, Massachusetts at the time called the Minutemen Militia. And these were 70 men that took up arms to defend that city or this nation. And their leader was not a part of the government. Their leader was not a part of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence. Their leader was a pastor of the Church of Christ in Lexington, uh, Massachusetts. His name was Pastor Jonas Clark. And when they came to his house there, we said, uh, the British are coming, the British are coming. There were two visitors in his home that night. It was John Hancock and Samuel Adams. So history tells us he looked at them and said, I have trained my men for this very hour. This is, quote, I have trained my men for this very hour that they would fight and, if need be, die too under the shadow of the house of God. History tells us that the British yelled out to these men, in the name of the king of England, throw down your arms. And this is what they answered. We have no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. So just real quick, I won't be long this morning, but Christianity has influenced America in so many ways. And today, I want you to look at four of them with me. Number one is founding documents. Number two is the law that we live by, the education we've received, and the government that's over us. Number one, founding documents. In addition to the Declaration of Independence, we have many state constitutions that God was the author in a significant way. Now, I didn't get Texas or any of the southern uh, states uh, that seem to have their head uh, screwed on a little better than some. So I just went up there to the 13 colonies. Uh, and I want to tell you Delaware, because we have a certain politician from Delaware right now. And if he's listening at the moment, which he's probably not, but I would love for somebody to forward this to him. This is what, and this is still in effect today. Okay? Delaware, Thomas McKean and George Reed uh, wrote this for the Delaware State Constitution. Listen to this. Quote, Everyone elected or appointed to office. This is in the Delaware State Constitution. Listen up. Every elected appointed, everyone elected or appointed to office shall make and subscribe the following devotion to wit. I do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ the only Son and in the Holy Ghost. One God blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. In order to hold office in the state of Delaware, you have to live by this. In order. Are y'all listening to me online? John, you got me cued in? Praise the Lord. All right. Every politician from the state of Delaware. Listen to this one from Pennsylvania. Benjamin Rush and James Wilson wrote this in the, in the Constitution of Pennsylvania. Each member of this legislature, before he takes his seat, I want the governor of Pennsylvania to listen to this shall make and subscribe the following declaration. I do believe in one God, the rewarder of the good and punisher of the wicked, and I do acknowledge the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. Massachusetts, Samuel Adams wrote this, all persons elected, this is in Massachusetts Constitution, all persons elected must make and subscribe the following declaration. I do declare that I believe the Christian religion 
has firm persuasion of its truth. I mean, y'all know there are a lot of politicians not living up to their own state constitution. In 1892, the Supreme Court noted that all 44 states in the Union, they just had 44 at this particular time in 1892, every state had some type of declaration in its constitution, and it was America has a godly heritage. Can I tell you, we need to go back to 1892 and some things that were in that. So now the second thing is this, is law. Our American founders knew that the only reliable basis to find found in a government was a foundation that never changes. How many of y'all know the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? How many of y'all know it doesn't change? How many of y'all know the Lord doesn't change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they knew this, that it was a foundation that never changes. If you look at the Declaration of Independence, it tells us that the source of all authority, of their motto was this, the laws of nature, and nature is God. And they actually got this quote from Blackstone Commentary of Law. And they used this from like 1766 to 1920. But Mr. Blackstone had wrote, uh, he wrote out the basis for law in writers of the Declaration of Independence. And he got it, and, he, and, and they got it from Blackstone. And he defines the laws of nature and nature as God as this. The will of God for his creation as revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. Isn't this something? The founding fathers were basically saying the moral authority and foundation of the United States of America rested on the Bible and that our laws should never contradict God's divine directives. How many of y'all know that still shouldn't change today? Think about education. Would y'all say that we've took a left turn in our education for our kids? I'm, I'm telling you I'm thankful for the Christian school. Uh, here at Arena of Life. I'm thankful for other Christian schools here in town. I'm thankful for Christian education because I'm telling you, if you don't know this, you need to be careful. See, ISD has lost its ever-living mind. There's some, there's, I, I am thankful for the teachers that are in education today. Brad, love you, brother. Good to see you. And thankful for the Holy Ghost-filled teachers that are out there making a difference in our... Come on, let's give it up for those in our public school system. But as far as education, going back into our history, the New England Primer was the first textbook ever printed in America. If you don't know anything about this, this was like the standard textbook for educating children for over 200 years. And it's, it was first printed in 1690, and they used it until 1900 to educate children in our country. And it had some great things in it that we need today. Number one was this, the Lord's Prayer. How many of y'all know it's good to know the Lord's Prayer? Number two is this, is the Ten Commandments. You might think the Ten Commandments are outdated. Well, try to commit adultery. See what your wife does. All right? Try to murder somebody. See, see what happens in society. How many of y'all know the Ten Commandments are still true for us today? Number three is this, how kids would learn how to read and write in the New England Primer and their ABCs uh, was all based on Scripture. I'll give you an example. Like when they go through ABC, you know, you'd get an example of of. Um, A is something, B is something, C is something. A was Proverbs 10.1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. B was Proverbs 15.16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. C was this, Matthew 11.28. Come to me, all, he, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
I mean, you know, the words of Jesus still need to go in the ears of our young people today. In fact, I learned this, too, as I began to put this together. You know, the old the, you've heard this before. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, I don't know about you. I was raised in a very Pentecostal faith church. And we did not say that because that was not a good confession. Right? And people shy away from that today because it scares people. But we need to be gracious to those in the 17th, 18th, and 19th century because most kids wouldn't see their first birthday. There was a lot of women that would die in childbirth. There was Most men died during these times in the 30s. So it was re- very relevant at the time. But you know what? I believe it's still relevant today because it tells us this, that God is still the author of life. Higher education. This is interesting. I didn't know this until I was putting this together. Out of the 108 universities, the, the, the original universities, 106 of them were founded by Christian, Christians based on Christian values. Every Ivy League school you can think of, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Cornell, University of Pennsylvania, they were to train missionaries and ministers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Princeton's first motto was this. This, this is all out there in textbook. I don't know if it's on the internet, but it's on textbooks. This is the Princeton's first motto. Cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. I got news for you, Princeton. We need to get back to that. Government. Now, I, went, I talked about education. Now I want to talk about government. Scripture influenced all of it. Absolutely all of it. The three branches of government. Isaiah 33, 22 says this, For the Lord is our judge. Everybody say judge. It says the Lord is our lawgiver. Everybody say lawgiver. It says the Lord is our king. Everybody say king. It says he will save us. So they got the three branches of government. Judge, the judicial branch. Lawgiver, the legislative branch. The king, king executive branch. Separation of powers. That comes from Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? They realize this. They realize power entrusted to sinners is a serious thing. Can I tell you still today in 2023, power that is entrusted to sinful people is a serious, serious thing. And what happens at the top trickles down to the bottom. Tax exemption came from the word of God. Ezra 7 verse 24 says, Also we inform you that it shall not be lawful to impose tax, tribute, or custom on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, nithinim, or servants of this house of God. So I got news for you, Beto O'Rourke. The reason that we have tax exemption because it comes straight from the word of God. Republican form of government, not a democracy. Now I'm not... I'm not picking sides right here because honestly, right now, I can't stand either one of them. All right? Because I'm not. In fact, when McCarthy wrote off that uh, the the debt deduction deal that for 1.4 trillion, the Democrats did 4 million. The Republicans said, "Let's do it at 1.4 trillion." Can I just tell you this? This is like dealing with Dumb and Dumber. See, this is why I wanted this handheld mic. I'm going to get back behind my podium. I'm going to make some of y'all mad today. But I love you with all my heart. But 
I told you, I told you, I can't stand either one of them right now. Because here's the, how about this as a pastor, if somebody, Pastor Robert came in and said, you know what, last year we just went in the whole $50,000. I'd say, all right, let's see if next year we can go 100000 Does that make any sense whatsoever? Absolutely not. Tweedledum, okay, moving on. But Constitution, but what I'm saying is through the Word of God, they got the idea of a Republican form of government, not a democracy. In the Constitution, Article 4, Section 4, it says this, each state must maintain a Republican form of government. You know why? Because in a pure democracy, the majority rules. In a pure democracy, the mob, the mob, the mob, like BLM setting stuff on fire, and I believe Black Lives Matter, but I'm talking about the group that is demonic, that actually went bankrupt, glory to God. I'm talking about the mob wins, the loudest wins. How many of y'all know there ain't that many homosexuals in the earth today, but they're the loudest and they're winning. The loudest win and will dominate. And that was concerning to our forefathers because they read the Bible and saw that the majority was not always right. How many of y'all know the mob said, crucify him. Let's take the sinner over the saint. Are you hearing me this morning? They thought, how do we safeguard our country from being ruled by a mob? Benjamin Rush said this, and I quote, A simple democracy is the devil's own government. Republican form of government is ideally, is, is supposed to function with this in mind. Listen, recognize that our liberty comes from God, authority comes from God, so we elect people that will be governed by God. Noah Webster said this, quote, Our citizens should thoroughly understand that the genuine source of correct Republican principles is the Bible, particularly the New Testament or the Christian religion. So, how did we get where we are today? Number one is this. There's just a few of them. Actually, there's 15. But I'm going to give you four. Are you ready? How many of y'all getting something out of this this morning? I hope you are. Number one is this, secular humanism. Colonel Robert Ingersoll, in the late 1800s, he had two main points from his teaching of secular humanism. Number one was this, Christians should not have a place in the political arena. Christians should only be in a place of spiritual work and church work, and that is it. I can tell you we're in the position we are today because we don't have men and women of God in the House of Representatives Men and women of God in the Senate. Men and women of God in the Supreme Court. But there's, there is some in there. Come on. Can we thank God for the ones that are men and women of God that are standing and holding the line? Come on, let's hold the line. What do they call it in Viking? Shield wall. That's it. Number two is this. The, the second main point that Colonel Robert Ingersoll had was this. Moral authority comes from human philosophy. Human philosophy and not from God. How many of y'all know that's scary in and of itself? Every atheistic, every atheist puts, what they do is, is, is well, I'm saying this. It's very atheistic because they, what they're doing is putting man. I don't, listen, and I saw this in 2020. How many of y'all know God has not called us to serve man? I don't care who the president is. God's not called us to Worship him. God's called us to, to vote for people that will honor him. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it's very atheistic because it puts man on the top and God in the background. 
So number one, I believe it's secular humanism, and I could go on this point for a long time, but I want to get to number two because it's judicial activism. Now, I'm not this smart, and I'm thankful for a lot of uh, commentary and things that I've read for a couple months to put this together, but judicial activism, Thomas Jefferson was concerned about this the most out of all the people, the writers of the Declaration of Independence, because he was afraid that the, the judges would have too much power. And he called it the despotism of oligarchy. Basically, he was afraid they would rule in a way that would establish laws instead of interpreting laws. And you can see a slow decline. In 1962 and 1963, they removed prayer and Bible reading from public schools. How many of y'all know that is wrong? In 1973, Roe v. Wade making abortion a constitutional right. But can we go ahead and give God praise after 50 years and 60 million abortions, that court reversed it, and it's in the support of life. And I'll tell you how even bigger a miracle it was. It was with a Democratic whole mess of them that we got Roe versus Wade overturned. Only the Lord can do something like that. 2015, marriage is not limited to a man and a woman. That's judicial activism. It's scary. Number three is this. Ooh, boy. You ready for this one? Progressive culturalism. In progressive culturalism, it's a philosophy that places culture at the center of shaping societal values and norms. And that is where man becomes the moral authority and not God. We can see this uh, in... In the, you can see it in the redefinition of marriage. Or I identify as tri, transgender, advocating abortion, uh, supporting socialism, indoctrinating our children. I mean, you go to Target, you tell me. My, my, my hours at Target went from zero now down to zero. But just some of the stuff that I've seen people put on there. Listen, this has nothing to do with us in this room. It has everything to do with those kids that are back there in children's church. It's sick. Controlling social media. I've been in Facebook jail many times. And I'm not proud of it, but praise the Lord. I'm just being vulnerable right now and telling you, yes, I did it. All right. Canceling. Opposing viewpoints. How many of y'all know this is the land of the free? Worship of the environment. Tree huggers. All right. Number four is this. Theological liberalism. Since the early 1900s, church has been slowly cutting itself away from sound doctrine. Let me say that one more time. Since the 1900s, and this just hasn't begun, the church has been slowly cutting away from sound doctrine. People are accepting a liberalism that denies the word of God. In fact, I'll tell you this with all freedom. There are people that are in pulpits this morning. There are professors in schools. There's people in government that believe the Bible is not the true, that it's not true in all of its totality. That we can't hold the absolute truth. Basically saying we know more than God does. 
There's a message of grace that is absolute garbage out there today. And I'm thankful for grace. Tolerating sin under the banner of love rather than addressing sin under the banner of truth. Performing same-sex marriages. So help me God. I will never in all the world do that. Take our tax exemption. Take it all. I answer to the Lord, not to you. Right? Abandoning the pro-life position. There's people that I grew up with in the house of God. You read the word. Nowhere does it talk about killing babies. Nowhere. It's pro-life. If you're a believer, you are pro-life. If you are a Christian, do you call yourself a Christian? You are pro-life. If you call yourself a Christian, you are pro-Israel. If you call yourself a believer and a Christian, you are pro-marriage. Amen? Are you out there this morning? Abandoning the pro-life position. Advocating a universal, uh, universalistic view that no one's going to hell. There's no hell. I got news for you out there. Jesus talked about hell more than he did about heaven. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Can I tell you? People are giving in to doctrines of devils every day. May it be said of you, though, in your house, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll not fall to this nonsense. Can I tell you this? We have a coming king. Greater than any person of power now or at any time. And can I tell you this? He's coming back. But there's a, there is something the Lord told us to do. If I could have somebody come and play. In Luke 19, 13, it says, So he called ten of his servants, delivered uh, to them ten minus, and said to them, Do business till I come. Can I tell you this is a word for us today? That God's called us to do business till he comes. He's called us to do business inside of our families. He's called to do business amongst our friends. He's called us to do business inside of our businesses. We're still to preach the good news. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The church must continue its mission of being the hands and feet of Jesus. The church must continue to be the salt and light. The church must continue to be the influencers to the world for the cause of Christ till he gets here. And I'm telling you, when the church rises up, he can say this about a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's not fall into this theological liberalism. Let's not fall into this. I want to tell you one last story. I, Like I've told you before, I, I love to read and in fact, Thomas told me about a book called The Cost of Discipleship by Derek Bonhoeffer. And I had already read, Eric Metaxas wrote a book called The Letter to the American Church, which I want to encourage you to read it. Put on some steel-toed boots and read it. But Eric Metaxas also wrote a history of Derek Bonhoeffer, and it is so good. But Adolf Hitler came to the clergymen of Germany, kind of the guys that were the heavy hitters inside of the land and over some churches. And he began to tell him of the vision of what he had, of the direction that Germany was going. In fact, at this particular time, he was saying, I don't want you to fly the German flag. I want you to fly the swastika inside of your churches. It's kind of the same thing of what's happening today. In churches today, there are pride flags inside of churches. 
So help me God. It's messed up. But he's telling them all that. Bonhoeffer, he's the only one that steps forward. In fact, in the book it says this. When he stepped forward, history tells us this. That all the clergymen stepped back because of their fear of Adolf Hitler. But Bonhoeffer was not afraid of Adolf Hitler. The only one that he feared was the Lord. And he said, Hitler, we are not concerned about the church for Jesus Christ will take care of her. What we are concerned about is the soul of Germany. And Hitler replied this. You don't need to worry. I'll take care of the soul of Germany. Can I tell you? No government can take care of the soul of the country. It's only the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that can take care of the soul of the country. You may be in here and you say it's the separation of church and state. I will definitely argue with this and tell you this. That was designed to keep the state out of the church. The church should be the moral authority of what goes on in the state. Because we answer to one God and one God alone. You know what I'm believing for God for is in the last days? Is that the Bible says he will pour his spirit out on all flesh. And can I tell you this this morning? I'm done saying, Lord, send revival. Can I tell you this? What he's already sent is already here. It's called the Holy Spirit. And I believe this. He's already done all the sending. It's time for us as a body of Christ to tap into the Spirit of God. As we parent our kids, we show them of what was right and what is wrong. There comes a time where your conscience, the Bible tells us in Timothy, that can get seared is with a hot iron. So help me God inside of my house that I don't watch so much TV, that I come callous to the things of this world, that I will read... Read, read of things that are happening inside of the nation. So help me, God, that I don't become that parent that everybody else is. God's called me to a higher standard. God's called you husbands to a higher standard. Listen, and they, they can't do this in parts of the earth. But you know where we can do this and do this freely? We can do it in the United States of America. Because of the great forefathers that based their principles on the teachings of the Word of God. How many of y'all know government changes? It changes every day. They make rules for the sin and garbage that they want to come up with. But can I tell you, this never changes right here. This is a document that has stayed true for thousands of years. What I'm going to encourage you to do is this, what's happening in the world. Go read Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 and 2. In fact, when Paul wrote this, the letter to the Roman church, he's writing to them because this was right before they had a huge fall. Can I tell you, that word to the Romans in Romans 1 and 2, there was no chapter and verses. He just wrote the letter to them. It all goes together. What's happening? It's like people's brains have fallen out of their head. When I read Romans, it's like he wrote it last week. He's like he's writing it to America. Can I tell you today? That word is still for us today. But he said this. He said in Romans 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm here to tell you this morning. There may be culturalism and liberalism and all socialism and all these things all around me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on and stand to your feet this morning. How many of y'all thankful y'all live in the United States of America?
Come on, how many of y'all thankful that we serve? I haven't given up on them yet. God's not done with America. God's not done with America. Can I say it again? God's not done with America. But let's be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Let's stand up for what we believe. Let's stand up for what we believe. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.